Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Not infrequently, visually impaired youth don't get the opportunity to interact with other blind youth, don't get the opportunity to participate in mainstream sports, and they don't have the opportunity to succeed at things that their sighted counterparts do. This week, we'll be talking about a special camp that addresses many of these needs and much more. Now in its 23rd year, Camp Abilities has spread to locations not only throughout the U.S., but also around the world. We'll speak with its founder and director, Dr. Lauren Lieberman, about the benefits of this week-long sports-oriented camp for visually impaired youth and how it can be a life-changing experience for those who attend. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip basically comes from the Camp Abilities logo, which says... A loss of sight, never a loss of vision. And we'll see how they've made the most of this motto in how these camps are run. And this isn't really part of their motto, but it's definitely their operating principle. Don't let people discourage you from trying something new. There will always be people out there who say, oh, you're blind, you can't do that. Well, much of the time, they're wrong. You can. Let's start by meeting Lauren and learning how she got into studying adaptive sports. So, Lauren, we talked with you actually a long time ago. We looked at our records, and it was six years ago in episode 1217 about camp abilities. But here you are back again, and we figured we'd do an update of that. But in the meantime, maybe you can reintroduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. My name's Dr. Lauren Lieberman, and I'm a distinguished service professor at the college at Brockport, in Brockport, New York, and I teach adapted physical education courses, undergraduate and graduate courses, and I, uh, I teach physical education teachers how to teach the kids with disabilities. And I also am the founder and director of Camp Abilities, which is an educational sports camp for children who are visually impaired, blind, or deafblind. And this is going to be our 23rd year of Camp Abilities the newest country being Bangladesh that I'm going to on January 14th. What a great heritage. You've really done well with that. And how did you start working with the visually impaired? When I was in undergraduate school, I had a professor that ran, it was called the Ski for Light program. And it was cross-country skiing for people with visual impairments. So, um, when I was an undergrad, we had these programs on campus, and then this professor volunteered at Ski for Light, and I got invited to go to Ski for Light with him, and it was such an eye-opener. I mean, teaching adults who are visually impaired how to ski, and I, I just was so validated when one of my participants that I was working with said to me, Lauren, I never could have done that without you. And it was like a drug. It was this moment of, aha, I, I am good at this. And I just decided right then and there, I decided I have to do this for the rest of my life. And then when it came time to get a job, I applied at all the schools for the deaf and the blind in the whole country because I was also signing. You know, I could sign 
Lauren mentioned Ski for Light, which is a Nordic ski program that got its beginnings close to where we are in Frisco, Colorado. And we did an entire episode about that, number 1534, if you want to learn more about that. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is camp abilities and the many ways it impacts not just its campers and staff, but the field of adaptive sports for people with visual impairments. Anyway, before we talk about some of the programs that you have at the Camp Abilities camps around the world, maybe give us an idea of how it got started and what was the inception for the idea? I got a job teaching at Brockport. They had a lot of wonderful practical experiences for the students, but they didn't have anything where they were really going to get experiences with kids with visual impairments. And I loved camp as a kid, so I said, all right, what if we had an overnight camp, a sports camp, and then I got a grant, and it just grew from there. And presumably that was your first one, and they spread quite a bit in the meantime. Yeah, that first one, well, what happened was kids started coming from all over because they weren't getting these kind of experiences. So I started thinking, all right, where am I getting all these kids? Connecticut. All right, you guys should start your own camp in Connecticut. And so we did. We started one in Arizona and Alaska and Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Maryland. And so now the kids have more local places to go to camp and their friends are going to be closer to their house. So they'll be able to have get-togethers more often. How many capabilities are there now? Since we started camp, other places have replicated our program, and we have campabilities programs in 20 places around the U.S. now, and we have it in seven other countries. Wow. That's over twice as many locations as there were when we last interviewed you six years ago. Good job. And you indicated that you'll be going next week to start one in Bangladesh, so presumably these are all over the world at this point. Yeah, this past summer I was in Latvia. We had one in Latvia, and then we have one in Ireland and Brazil, and we have campabilities in Finland and Costa Rica. And so those camps are continuing, and we're continuing to grow our camps both in the U.S. and internationally. How many kids are there at a typical camp? Some of the camps have as few as 15, and some of the other ones have as many as 50 or 60 kids. So this is a one-week program that's like it's one particular week in Brockport, and it's one other particular week in Bangladesh? Right. So if you look on our website, which is www.campabilities.org, we have a link called Other Camps. And if you look at that, you'll see that most of the camps are a week long. There are a few that are a long weekend, but most are a week long. And you'll see that starting in May, there's camps every week until August. And then during the school year, like I said, we uh, were having this camp in Bangladesh in January, but we also have like the Boston camp at the Perkins School for the Blind is in April. And the Ireland camp is in April. So... Now they're more all year round because we also are starting to have winter camps. We have a winter camp abilities in February that's run by the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Utica. 
So then do they do winter sports? There's plenty of snow in Utica in February. Yeah, they do snowmobiling, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, sledding. Oh, ice fishing. They do ice fishing, too. And who gets to attend these camps? What fraction of the participants are visually impaired or blind? All the camp abilities. You have to have a visual impairment to go there. Maybe I can walk us through what a typical week is like, even though that all these camps seem to be a little bit different. But if one shows up there at the beginning of the week, what's the first thing that someone would run into? Sure. Well, the first day when the campers get there, they meet their counselor. They put their clothes away and they meet and they, they get to know the dorm and the eating area. And then they do some icebreakers with their group, you know, break them up into smaller groups. And then what happens the rest of the week? What they do is uh, we have music and dancing the first night. And then every day in the morning, this is what it looks like. Your group will either go to stand-up paddleboarding and tandem biking, or they'll go to uh, track and field or um, beat baseball. So beat baseball and track and field, and then stand-up paddleboarding and tandem biking. And then the next day it switches. So within two days you get to do all those sports. And then in the afternoons, everybody swims, and then you either do gymnastics or goalball, and then the next day you switch, then you swim, and then you do whatever you didn't do the day before. And so during the course of the week, they get to do each sport at least three times. Wow, that's a wide range of activities. Oh, that's just... And then after dinner, we have the specials that are only one time a week. Uh, well, we have dancing most nights and musicians that come in. And, and then we have rock climbing, we have archery, horseback riding, and drumming one night. But every night, there's choices that ca- they can do rollerblading, basketball, fishing, kayaking, canoeing, stand-up paddleboarding, showdown, which is a blind sport, and arts and crafts every night. That sounds like a lot of fun. What age range does this cover? Nine is the youngest, and they can be up to 19 years old. I remember from the last time we spoke with you that you also use the camp as a training ground for the teachers. Can you describe how that works? So what we do is the college students come two days early, and we run them through an orientation of everything about sighted guide techniques, Um, instructional techniques, running techniques, and they play every sport that the kids play blindfolded so that they really learn the cues and the techniques that are needed to teach that sport. That's a really good learning experience. You really don't have an appreciation for what's involved unless you do blindfold yourself. Right, right. So you're teaching goalball, but you don't really know What is goalball if you don't blindfold yourself and you're really relying on your tactile senses to feel all the perimeter and all the parts of the goalball court, right? So then as they're going through the week, the counselors are actually assessing the kids on every sport. And so they actually see the child improve and the child learns from the college student. And it's just a great relationship. And they they make goals and they set goals during the week. And they reach their goals, and then they set new ones. And so it's just a wonderful week of accomplishments. As a matter of fact, we have a program called Care to Share. 
and care to share is at breakfast and it's at dinner. And it's a time when every athlete who wants to share something that they did that they're proud of, they get in front of the whole group and they say that the one thing or two things that they did that they never did before. Wow, that's nice. There's a lot of firsts. It's really wonderful. Well, and I assume that a lot of the firsts, you know, it's not just this is the first time I shot a bow and arrow. It's like this is the first time I've been away from home and done something independently. You must get an awful lot of interesting firsts. Oh, yeah. First time. Some of the kids, first time they ever ate broccoli. Some of the kids, it's the first time they ever met someone else who was blind in their life. So I would guess it's not unlikely that a number of these kids come from backgrounds where they haven't been exposed to team sports and some of the social interactions with other blind individuals. Are there any stories that particularly stick in your mind about turning around some kid's life? I, I have lots of stories, but this one set of twins, they just turned 10 and uh, they're both blind and they came to camp and they had been told by their parents and by their teachers oh, you're blind, you can't play sports. They never played any sports. And so when they came to camp, they were just amazed at all the sports. I can play baseball. I can play basketball. I can play soccer and kickball. We do beep kickball, all these different things they could do. So I was walking by the common room where one of the kids was talking to his mother and he didn't see me there. He was just telling her, mom, you're not gonna believe it. I did all these sports. You're going to be so proud of me because he was told all his life he couldn't do sports. And he was explaining to her every sport he did and every modification that we made. And he was just so amazed that he actually missed dinner. (laughs) He was just so enamored with the whole idea of being able to do sports. And then they dove into sports when they went back to school. But some success stories are just So many of our kids now are on their after-school sports teams, everything from swimming to track and field and cross-country running and diving and football and soccer. And it's just so awesome to hear, you know, a parent say, hey, my daughter made the cheerleading team. And it's something that they might not have ever thought of before they came to camp because we also teach them how to self-advocate. Oh, self-advocacy is so important. The other thing that we've been doing is we've been creating this modification checklist for every sport. So if a child's playing baseball or they're playing basketball or swimming, there's a whole checklist that they fill out for themselves. And then what they can do is they bring that checklist to school. And if they say, hey, I really want to be on the cross country team, they tell the coach and the teacher what they need to be successful for running. Mm -hmm. That helps the teacher say, oh, no, you can't be in this because it's too dangerous. They say, oh, no, I just did this at camp. A lot of my friends are in this. I think I'll be fine. This is all I need. Yes, that is a very good skill to have, not only if you're blind, but just in general in life, right? I mean, you always need to be able to advocate for yourself. Well, right, and I, I also think, like you said, Peter, it actually generalizes beyond sports because if I can advocate for myself for my sports, maybe when they tell me I have to sit in the front of the bus, I say, you know what, but I want to sit with my friends. Everybody else gets to, and I get to stand up for myself. Well, you know, your camp is 
nominally focusing on sports, but so many of these benefits carry over in so many other ways. You know, you talked about the kids from camp finally being able to join a team. And as a student in this country, being able to participate on a team with the rest of the students is so important for socialization, you know, and to make that possible again, where they had been told they couldn't, that's, that's huge. Right, right, exactly. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the expanded core curriculum. And some people just call it the ECC, but it's nine components or nine areas that children with visual impairments must have to be successful adults. And at our camp, we meet every component of the expanded core curriculum. For example, socialization is one of the components, as well as these are just some of the other areas, recreation, orientation and mobility, independence and and life skills, assistive technology is something that we infuse. Also, sensory efficiency, using the senses that they have to get around in all the sports. Uh, And also one of them is career awareness, not just knowing the careers available, but knowing that I need to show up on time to be professional. I need to work as a team to be professional. So there's so many aspects of the curriculum in visual impairment that we cover. And it's not just sports because sports encompasses so much more. It's nice that that's all integrated into the program in a systematic process. Right. And we've done it for years and years, but some people just look at our camp and say, oh, it's just sports. But it's really much more than that. If you look at the day to day, what kids have to do. And talk a little bit about the staff, where these people come from. You said a lot of them are students who are learning about that area. There's two different types of staff. There's specialists at each sport, for example, in gymnastics. We have to have someone that really knows gymnastics, but they also have to know visual impairment. So we, every sport, we have specialists, at least two or three specialists, like track and field. We have a distance running specialist. We have a sprint specialist. We have a field specialist, and they all know visual impairment. So we have that level of staff that are seasoned coaches. And then we have the college students that you're talking about. They're all undergraduate or graduate students in physical education, in adapted physical education, or they're in a teacher of the visually impaired program or an orientation mobility program. They might be in a special ed program, but they have to be in some kind of area in the field in order to be a counselor because we want it to be a training experience and we don't want to take that away from anyone who needs it. That's great. By training the staff, you're having an impact way beyond each season's campers. Right, right, exactly. And the reality is there's 61,000 children with visual impairments in our public schools today. And so we do two things during camp that I feel really good about because since we're not meeting the needs of all the kids, but one is that we do research. We do descriptive research and we do intervention research. And we've been very fortunate to look at everything from health-related physical activity to motor skills to looking at talking pedometers uh, to looking at what kind of jump ropes kids will prefer. We look at the types of instructional strategies that are most effective. And every year we do research projects that have a huge impact on the field. And then the other thing that we do is we work with the American Printing House for the Blind and we, we not only do research with them, but we also create products with APH. 
And the beautiful thing about APH is the products that we develop in our field are free because it's government funded. And so not only we'll do the research, develop the product, and then they have to field test it. So then they'll come back to camp, field test the product, and then it's available for free for kids with visual impairments and their teachers can order it from APH. And the other piece of that that we're excited about now is that now we're working with APH with the equipment that we developed and we're researching the effectiveness of that piece of equipment. And these products might include such things as what? Well, so for example, we created a walk-run for fitness kit, which is a whole kit. It comes in a backpack with the different guide running techniques, talking pedometers, and a manual to teach kids all the different guide running techniques and how they can access those. Uh, We helped create a beeping ball that beeps when you can kick it or bounce it. And we helped create a jump rope kit to help kids learn how to jump rope at home or at school so they can improve on their fitness and health-related activities. Uh, We've developed several curricula for kids all the way from elementary, middle school, and transition age. And we've also developed books for the teachers. And the most current thing that we're finishing up right now, it's called Sport Courts. And it's brilliant. It's literally a binder of tactile courts. So when you're teaching someone who's blind, I mean, I wish they had this when you were little, Peter, because you would have loved this. Let's just say they're teaching volleyball. The teacher pulls out the tactile board for volleyball. And the child who's blind will feel that court before they even start the unit when they're doing pre-teaching. You feel the whole court. Then when you're going and feeling the big court, you have an idea in your head of what does a volleyball court look like. Oh, that can make a huge difference. I think that's real important. Yeah, it's nice to have that global overview before you're thrust into the environment. Is there anything we missed? Because Campabilities is so much more than just camp, we also started an institute, and it's called the Institute on Movement Studies for Individuals with Visual Impairments. And so what we do with the Institute is we also go around and do workshops and trainings. We present at conferences. We present our research. And my goal with the Institute is also to help create more leaders so that, you know, when we're not here anymore, there's other people around the country and around the world that are creating campabilities, that are doing the research, that are doing workshops. So that next generation of kids and teachers knows what to do when they have children with visual impairments in their classes. Our institute, we're also creating training videos so that if there's a coach that's coaching cross country and they don't know what to do, there's this 12 minute video that we made that they can watch just to help them in cross country. We have one for swimming, we have one for track and field, and each summer for the next two summers we're making more videos of different sports and how you can include kids with visual impairments in that specific sport. This is really fantastic. You know, it sounds maybe at first blush that Camp Abilities is providing a one-week experience to a bunch of campers, but the impact that you're having on the individual campers that extends for years and years afterwards and then on the entire population of visually impaired youth and eventually adults is really just such a a wonderful outcome. Right, right. (music) 
now for this week's final item, how you can learn more about camp abilities, including how you can sign up to participate and some of the other resources that Lauren mentioned earlier. So if people would like to find out more about camp abilities, either as a participant or a potential staff member, where would you send them? I would send them to our website, which is campabilities.org. And is there a phone number that they can use or an email? Sure. They can call me at 585-395-5361, or they can email me at lieberman at brockport.edu. Can you spell that? Sure. So it's L. Lieberman, L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N at brockport.edu. Do you have a social media presence? We have a Facebook page. Are there opportunities for people to visit or volunteer at the camps? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People can visit and people can volunteer at all the camps. You just have to make sure they know ahead of time. Like at our camp, you do have to um, have a name tag. But yeah, we welcome people to come visit. I mean, people from Lions Clubs come and they serve food and they, they love seeing the kids And you mentioned the American Printing House for the Blind being a good resource for some materials. That would be www.aph.org. Are there any other resources along those lines that you'd point people to who are interested in sports and blindness? On our Camp Abilities website, we have a link called Instructional Materials, and that will take you to our educational videos and also our PowerPoints and our PDF files that are training files. And anybody can use those. Those are for free. Uh, But also, the APH website, if you do aph.org slash PE, they have a lot of great videos on there, and they have research and books. And if you click on their products, it'll give all the products in our area. It's just wonderful, a wonderful resource. Also, the United States Association for Blind Athletes, USA, ABA. They have a lot of um, adaptations for a lot of sports that they provide and some training videos as well. And then there's also the Northwest Association for Blind Athletes, nwaba.org, and they also have a lot of good training videos for different sports as well. Well, and one other resource is you can use the search tool on our website and look up any of the other episodes we've done about various sports or exercise. So just use that search field, put in the word sports or any particular sport, such as beat baseball, golf, cricket. We've done all kinds of sports and you'll find those episodes. And also that was a lot of information that we gave you. If you didn't get a chance to write that down and you're interested in finding out more, all of that contact information and the URLs are contained in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1805. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about careers and opportunities in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Despite having to overcome many challenges as well as negative stereotypes about the blind, Ken Silberman persisted to become both an engineer and patent attorney. 
We'll talk with Ken, who now works in the education department at NASA, about his journey, as well as opportunities for the disabled to work as an intern at NASA through a program that he's working in. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.